When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Dad Ventures podcast, sponsored by Connects, encouraging kids of all ages to think outside the blocks. Now, more and more dads want to be involved in their children's development, but sometimes it can be hard to find guidance and support. As a hands-on dad myself, I want to help create an aspirational image of fatherhood that we can all strive for through our variety of guests and their journey through parenthood. So let's talk, let's laugh, and let's share the things we find difficult and become the type of dads we really want to be. My guest today is an acclaimed broadcaster and TV presenter. Uh, He currently presents a daytime show on BBC Radio 5 Live, but his skill set is a little bit more diverse than that. Uh, Having cut his teeth in the music industry as a rap recording artist named MC Crazy A. He's one of two DJs to represent both mainstream and specialist shows and he's also made several documentaries. Alongside his radio career, he has DJed all over the globe and I'm really happy to induct Nihal Arthanayaka into our Dadvengers community. Go Dadvengers. You are a dad of almost the same amount of years as me. Your kids are nearly the same age as mine, 12 and 10, yeah? Yeah, so my son is going to be 13 next month and my daughter is 11. What are they like um, on a day-to-day basis? They're, they are frenemies. There's like no question. They are frenemies. They bicker. They fight. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they're petty. They, you know, the idea that they're kind of blissfully connected, skipping merrily through the meadows, sipping on ambrosia is just not the one, right? They are frenemies. She craves attention from him, which he is too aloof to give which winds her up. Dude, I'm the other way. So Rory craves attention from Sienna. Sienna's like, (laughs) (laughs) then it kicks off and you get that bickering, exactly that, that bickering. Before it used to wind me up. Still winds me up, I can tell you that much. (laughs) My thing is, guys, this is really boring. Stop talking. Just stop talking. But they all want to get the last word in, don't they? The last word. Yeah. (laughs) The last word. Right? So, so that then spirals then. He knows how to trigger her. To get more of a reaction. Yeah, but she doesn't know how to trigger him when he's just normal. When he's normal and she tries it, he just scoffs at her, right? It's just like, uh, okay. which winds her up even more. But when he's like got a bad test score or he's just done something silly or he's lost a football match, she knows then, okay, I'm coming for you, right? So it's trying to 
pacify the situation. It's draining, Nigel. <laughs> it's so draining. I'm out there fighting the world, right? Trying to hustle for work, trying to do meetings. You're doing all this stuff. But what you want is your home to be a safe haven, a safe space, a place of tranquility. But you've got kids, so it isn't going to be, you know. I, I'm, I'm not sure why they are like they are. And it's so beautiful when they're just getting on. When you have those days when they just get on. when they, I find days, those days, days sometimes... Minutes, <laughs> not days, like <laughs> minutes. Those minute, bro, days... Like minutes, like you know, like half an hour, you're like, oh, this is great. I normally find that those times are when they haven't seen each other for ages. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because like, they miss each other. When someone's at a sleepover or they're not around, it's like, where's, where's Rory? Right. That's you nice. Know, comes back, yeah. sweetness and light for like yeah. a, an hour or two, and then cut to like two hours later and it's like, meow, meow. Oh, I'm glad it's not just me, man. I'm glad it's not just me, Nigel. My son went and said something to me, and I've said this on the radio before. We're walking along. It was at a time where there used to be like a little tuck shop at his school, and he'd take a couple of quid in a day and whatever. Yeah. And I said to him, you know, what am I teaching you by giving you money for nothing? And he said, well, I'm getting quite good grades. I said, well, that, that doesn't benefit me. You getting good grades is your own benefit. I, that, that doesn't change my life at all that you're getting good grades. I shouldn't have to pay you for that because I don't get any benefit from that. So I was like, so what am I teaching you? And he so he thought for a minute. He said, well, maybe you're teaching me that I can exploit the love you have for me for money. Wow. And I was like, that is impressive and terrifying in equal measure. (laughs) (laughs) I said... You taught him well. Yeah, I I said taught him well. But here's another thing. I said, why did you say that? He said, because I feel... That's the thing that would probably shock you the most. So he thought about it at multiple levels. So what about your daughter? What's she like? My daughter is just naturally funny and full of just amazing energy and silliness. So we do this little thing where I chase her around our bed, right? So it's like I'm chasing her like a villain, like a Bond villain. And she's just got this kind of ninja-like ability to roll over the bed just in that last second before I go bang onto the bed. And then she gets up again. And then I just dive over the bed and she moves out the way again. One of the funniest things is I introduced them to Kato from the Pink Panther movies. Wow. Right? The guy that's always hiding in a fridge or anything. And then he jumps out and they have a massive tear-up. So for quite a while, they were we were all doing Kato attacks on each other. So... I'd kind of walk into my son's room and then like he might just come flying out. Kato attack. Yeah, Kato attack. So like that was that was definitely a thing. That was definitely a thing. He's he's walked in now. He used to hide in my wardrobe. You'd hide in your wardrobe. You can't do that now, you're too big. But yeah, you would yeah. hide in your wardrobe and, and and then from time to time, because my daughter's smaller, I'll hear my son kind of go, Nah! And that's because she has been lying in wait for him. And she pounces. Once I was hiding on the bottom bunk and when I was coming down, she like touched my foot. She grabbed my foot and I fell. So, okay, yeah. So so my son's telling me that once she was hiding underneath his bed and as he walked past, she grabbed his ankle and like he just went. Like Ned Flanders' scream. Ah! 
out of uh, The Simpsons. So yeah, that, those kind of things are hilarious. She's just hilarious. When you became a father, was it as you expected? I didn't expect the, to become the kind of father I did, which was initially yeah. very, very backward, right? I go out to work, you're the mother, you stay home, you look after the kids, you do all the kids stuff, I go out and work and I provide. Like the old school version of, of parenting that a lot of our yeah, parents yeah. were. A hundred percent, right? So the model I grew up with, I became. Until my wife, you know, I think it was six months in, sat me down and just said, look, if this is how you want to do this, I will just do it on my own without you. And I mean without you in every sense. Wow. Right? Because you're not contributing. Like you're not not kind of contributing to the bringing up of this child. You're contributing in the financial sense, but you're not doing anything else really. And that was a real wake-up call for me, Nigel. I was going to say that that is a big wake-up call. That is like, what do you want to do moving forward with your life? Because I don't think you've got it right at the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I'm, I'm, I constantly battle with. I, I love my kids so much and I tell them all the time, I kiss them, I cuddle them. I like it's, I give them that foundation and strength to know that they've got someone who is always in their corner, right? Yeah. Always, okay? And that foundation I think is powerful. What I guess I haven't done enough of is sit there and play for two hours with them. I'm, I'm not particularly attentive. Like I don't sit there and do homework right. for two hours. Like I'm not good at that stuff. So yeah, so I've been trying to trying to develop that because I think I think I'm there for the fun, <laughs> and I'm there to provide the kind of the broader sense of experience and knowledge. Not that yeah. my wife doesn't provide knowledge as well, but through my job and the experiences I've had, but I'm not great on the day to day running of it. I'm very good on the sports side. I taught them both to ride bicycles. Yeah. I like to have a kick around. I'm always there. I said to my son last week, actually, and this is one thing where progress is. I'm adamant that whenever he plays sport, and I'm, I'm only saying him and rather than her because she doesn't do any sport yet. Yeah. That may come, but I'm not pressuring her to that, right? Because not everybody is into that. But I, I asked him the other day, what difference does it make me being there on the touchline every time you're playing? And he said, it's, it's a huge difference, huge difference. Like, I, I want to see you there when I score a goal. Yeah. I want to see you there when I, I hit a four or I hit a six. Yeah. You know, I want you to be there. And that's a, that's definitely a difference because my parents' generation, when I played rugby for my school, my dad never turned up. Mm. Right? It, it was no question. Because he was working, right? Because yeah, he was working. Yeah, absolutely. Most likely. But also as well, you know, he was a... He's not like me. He wasn't born here. So the other dads may not have had anything to say to him. Well, he may have found it a bit intimidating. I don't know. He's sadly not with us anymore, so I don't really... Mm. Or either that wasn't the culture. It was drop-off. Yeah. They get on with that, and I've got work to do. Right? I've got to go off and do, whether it be around the house or whether it be... Because he worked very hard, my dad. Um, whereas I'm not that guy. Like, I, I, I want to be there yeah, for, for both of them. I, I'm, I'm the same in the same respect, because I remember my dad being at work and never really making it down to a sports day and sports day was my thing. I was, you know, athletics on the track, you know, long jump and all of that stuff. And he was never there. But now flip that coin, my son doing gymnastics or whatever, or doing sports, they're competing. I'm there. Yes. Yeah. Well, my kids were fencing at like seven 
and unfortunately just psychologically it's yeah at, at that age they were too, he was especially too young for it and when he lost he absolutely lost it like we had to carry him out crying oh. in front of other in front of other parents which was humiliating and devastating at the same time and how did you, you know, how did you deal with that badly if i'm honest badly i think there were times we got really angry with him for for for, for acting like that yeah um and we shouldn't have done you know we shouldn't have done because he was kind of too young he wanted to compete he wanted to win but he wanted to win at that age too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So any loss was just devastating, was devastating. for him. Couldn't handle it. Devastating for him. And we, or, or me, I can't speak for my wife, but it, it felt like I, I prioritised the embarrassment I felt more than how he felt and how upset he was. But he, he was inconsolable. I mean, like he'd kick things, he'd throw things down. He'd, and everyone's just looking at you. And you're like often the only brown people there. So you're just like, no, no. And that, you know, I feel bad for that. You know, I shouldn't have been that guy. You know, I should have just been like, okay, calm, and then just walked him out. The thing is, as parents, we, we all go through those moments when we feel like other parents are looking at us, judging us for mm. our parenting style, for <laughs> our choices, all of those things. You look back on it now and you know, right, that was wrong. I needed to look at that a different way. What advice would you give to someone who may go through this in the next couple of days? Give them the emotional resilience to deal with a life that will, at points, be really difficult to deal with. We can't prevent them from being hurt or sad or vulnerable. We can't necessarily do that. But what we can do is be there for them when it comes on top. Yeah, Brett totally. Anderson from Suede, the, the guitar band, said to me, he said, in an interview once, you know, I'm not the dad that tells you not to eat crisps on the sofa. Like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to waste my life stressing about this stuff. You know, and that's the thing that I, I want to live more by. Like, I care about the things I should care about, which is them feeling happy and secure and them understanding the value of hard work and success. But, you know, I just think, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I think don't sweat the small stuff is is a great piece of advice for any parent because I think we all sometimes get caught up and think things are way more important than they actually are. Yeah, look, you and I, we have kids who at this point, they haven't dealt with breakups, right? Yeah, hopefully. You know, yeah, yeah, 100% <laughs> mine haven't. Yeah, exactly right. No, you're right. You are. And they won't be dealing with breakups until they're married. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, we haven't dealt with that. We haven't dealt with... Drugs being introduced into their lives. I haven't dealt with, I'm sure you haven't, the kind of self-harm and the mental health issues that can come yeah. with being a teenager in this country. And we've got all of that to come. You know, we've got all that to come. We haven't dealt with pornography or any of that kind of stuff coming into their lives yet. So, you know, we're kind of still in a slightly blessed stage. Yeah, we've got we've still got plenty more humps and bumps in the road. Yeah, but, you know, all you can do is say, I'm kind of like... I'm feeling sanguine about it in that I was, my, my son and I were talking about drugs the other day yeah. and said, look, I'm never, ever going to tell you not to do something, mm. right? But what I am going to say is, if you are thinking of, can you just come and talk to me first and we'll talk through it? Yeah. If you're tempted to or it's offered to you, just come and talk to us first. I always want you to know 
that I'm just here. As long as that communication line is open and you can talk to your kids about anything and everything, you're in a good place. Yes. And I need to have more conversations like this with my daughter. Maybe it's an age thing because she's just started in year seven. But I want to have more conversations with her along the lines that I have with my son. Have you, have you learnt things with your son that you will now carry on with your daughter about your parenting style? They're, they're, I, I don't think I can parent them the same. Right. I think they're two very different people, right? And I think that my son's much better at following orders than my daughter is. Okay. <laughs> right. And I don't know if that's the youngest thing because I was the youngest and I was more of a tear away definitely than my brother. So she needs, I think, more patience and understanding because she's a volcano, right? And you can't add fire to that, right? No, no, no. She's like a, she's like a sleeping lion. And if, if she feels that she's been wronged, there's an injustice. Wow. <laughs> Well, like, you know, you don't want to mess with that because she will get angry. Do you know what? I think I've got the same sort of situation. Sienna is, um, you know, lovely. Love her to bits. But if she has uh, a thought in her head or a way something needs to be, that's the way it is. I just don't think there is a one-size-fits-all way of dealing with your kids. I think you're absolutely right. I think... Every child is different. Because it's easy with my son because we bond over music and football, right? So it's a, it's a shortcut to conversations and he's hugely knowledgeable about football and he's into history and he's into politics. But the other day it was quite interesting. At the dinner table, we asked both of our kids to argue for Donald Trump getting a second term, right? So we said, put forward an argument to justify why Donald Trump should be president for another four years. This was dinner time at your yeah, house. Yeah, this was dinner time at my house the other day. Right? <laughs> With an 11 and a 12-year-old, right? I think I need to come over for dinner now. Uh, right, Steve. It was good. It was, but she was extraordinary, right, in her thought processes as to why. We also did one about what would you do with COVID, right? How would you deal with it? I mean, these are the only two things we've done. Let's just be clear. Like, it's not every single night I'm sitting there and I'm going to you, right, how should a Venezuela find its way out of its economic malaise? Like, I'm not doing that, right? So just before anyone thinks, Jesus, now you're like hothousing your kids. This has only happened this week. But they, they read the week every week. And what I haven't done is I haven't invested enough time in, in searching that, that with them. Um, yeah. And we need to do more of that. We definitely need to do more of that because it empowers them. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's interesting because my son's trying to chuck it a bit now, now that he's got bigger. So he's about an inch shorter than me. Right. And he's like 12. So he likes to do practice like rugby scrums with me. Oh, really? Like, so, yeah, yeah. He wants to chuck it a bit, right? He's like, which is quite <laughs> good. It's quite interesting. Like, it's quite, quite, quite Freudian, I think. Um, so that's been an interesting new development in the last year or so, where he's kind of physically becoming stronger and he's just like, yeah. all right, come on in, let's do this. But the this. thing is, you're, you're all good. You can still take him. When mine, mine gets to that size, I'm not going to be able to take him. He does gymnastics five times, six times a week. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, going to be yeah, able yeah. to lift me up and be like, oh, dad, what are you chatting yeah. about? I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, but like in a, in a kind of very gentle judo way, there's a few times I just put him in his back, like just, just flipping him out, bag on the floor, and just go, come on, man, come on. <laughs> Dad's still got it, right? Like, relax yourself. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's going to come a point. I mean, he, you know, if he's growing at the same rate he's growing, he'll be 6'1", 6'2", 
Um, he's very sporty, football, rugby, yeah. um, cricket. So, you know, yeah, it, it, there will come a point. Your time is coming. Your days are numbered. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's also really getting into making beats. Nice. So he wants me to buy him Ableton Live for his birthday. And um, on a PC, he's making quite abstract EDM uh, and just learning how to construct beats. and Going down your road. Yeah, I mean, like I was never that technical. I was the MC, so I was the one that wrote the lyrics. That's that was what was interesting for me, from poetry to lyricism. Yeah, but he's actually more in the producer side of it. But he has wrote lyrics as well and recorded his voice over tracks. And the beats that he's making are really out there, and it's it's nice because obviously because of the job I've done for years. Yeah, you know, I I, I direct message Calvin Harris on Instagram. I've known, you know, and said, what, what's the equipment? You know, he gets like that. You get a message from someone like Calvin Harris going, well, this is how I started and this is what I did. And, you know, it's nice, right? It's nice, a nice little Top connection. Tips from Calvin. Yeah, I know, right? It's just quite a nice little vibe for um, for my son. But, yeah, he's, who knows whether he'll stick with it or not. But, um, yeah, it's good. It's, it's nice to see him produce beats and then want to come and play them to me. And yeah, But my son, as far as he's concerned, I haven't really achieved anything. You know, have have any of us parents achieved no, anything? You well, know, our kids no, that's true. That's true. I'm sure even Ronaldo's kids say, "Well, you're not messy, are you?" Um, you know, <laughs> so, so, <laughs> I'm sure that doesn't go down too yeah, well. Can you imagine? Table. Can you imagine? But yeah, he's um, you know, he doesn't look at me and go, "Wow, I want to be that guy." He's like, "Okay, you got this far, but so I'm what? I'm going. I'm going somewhere else." Yeah, like you know. He's going to have some amazing, like, album of EDM that's going to go, like, triple platinum and you're going to be like, oh, all right. Cool. Oh, I hope so, man. I want him to buy me a house. <laughs> yeah. One which I don't have a mortgage on. <laughs> totally. I love it. I love it when I hear these rappers who bought their, their mum and dad's a house. We paid their mortgage off for them. It's like, I'm hurrying. Hurry up and do that. Yeah, totally. I'm waiting for mine to buy me a house too. Connecting with your kids is at the heart of what Dadvengers is about, which is why we're so happy to have Connects as our sponsor. Connects and Kid Connects have projects for all the family and they're the perfect activity for kids and adults to connect naturally through play, imagination and creativity. So what about you? What do you remember being into as a young lad? I remember Action Man. And I remember having an action man, which you'd have to be a certain age to remember action man, right? Yeah, he was like army army lad, wasn't he? Army guy, right? Had a little scar on his face. Right. And you could just move, you know, the wrists and the arms and the legs. And then you could just dress him up in different... Oh, he's a doll. I mean, that's what it was. It was a doll, but a military doll. Right. And it had a kind of rubber head. So I think you could maybe take the head off and change it. And then once as a kid, I thought it'd be a good idea... Because I wanted him to have been in like, I don't know, like a napalm attack or something. I don't know. <laughs> to melt the side of his face. Like he'd been properly mashed up. This is some, a... some Toy Story. This is the guy next door, isn't it? The kid next door who's like burning up all the, <laughs> all the toys. Yeah, the one, the one who ends up being a serial killer, isn't it? Um, but that wasn't me, hopefully. Well, not yet anyway. And uh, I, I, yeah, I, did, I remember doing that. And then we had, I, because obviously I'm in my late 40s, um, you know, six million dollar man and evil Knievel, yeah. and there were all these kinds of classic toys from the kind of late seventies into the early eighties. Or like we didn't have the money to have the Star Wars characters, 
So, you know, I was super jet like any kid who had an Attack Walker or a Millennium Falcon was like, wow, like, you were the rich kids. Like we didn't have that. There was no way we were getting anywhere near that as a kid. You reminded me, you said that Evil Knievel toy. I remember that one. Is that the one where the bike sat on the little red unit and then you like wound, 100% that. wound that thing up? 100% and, that. Oh my days. Yeah. That, that, that yeah. toy, yeah. that was amazing. Yeah. What about your daughter? What's she interested in? Well, my daughter specifically just loves to build. She loves to construct. So if she's given things that need to be connected and put together... She will spend hours and hours doing that. She has that kind of brain that is meticulous, that can follow as kind of instructions and then just start with something small and then build up and build up and build up and just create these amazing things. So she's a problem solver in three dimensions as opposed to someone who will be perhaps more mathematical and see it on paper. She wants to see that in front of her. And do you think she gets that from you? Uh, but you know what? My father was an engineer. That's often what we forget as parents is that we're always thinking about how we've passed on our character traits. But actually, quite often, I think this is really true. They miss a generation. Yeah. And actually, you're better off looking at your own parents and then looking at your own kids rather than just thinking purely about yourself and how you have influenced them. So, for instance, I very much take after my maternal grandfather and I did a documentary on him and it was through that that I discovered, OK, I'm him. Wow. I'm not either of my parents in that respect. I'm him. That's amazing. What's the yeah. name of that documentary? I'm going to hunt it out. It's, uh, it's, some, it's something I did for the BBC World Service because my grandfather was, was murdered. I knew he'd been shot. We were brought up to believe that it was potentially a kind of political assassination. Yeah. And in speaking to people that knew him, and reading about him, I thought, okay, this makes sense. This is why I am what I am. I think I have a huge amount of empathy for the world around us. Yeah. Um, and feel it quite personally when I see injustice and hatred. And that was who he was. It was my parents. Not that they didn't feel like that, but they weren't kind of evangelists for it. Yeah. Whereas I've kind of, you know, anyone that follows me on Twitter will see that is quite a big part of who I am. And listen to the radio broadcast that I do. Yeah. We'll see that's a part of who I am. And that comes from my maternal grandfather. I think quite often we as parents should think, okay, what if my parents are there in my children? Not just focus yeah. on us. You know, if, if your kids are lucky enough to have their grandparents around, which sadly with my father, I'm not anymore, but luckily I'm with my mum. You know, make sure you use them as a resource to find out not only where you come from, but where they come from, your kids. 100%. Definitely. I'm sorry to hear about your, your grandfather on your mother's side. I think there's far too many people who don't delve into their ancestry. You know, understanding where we come from is essential in understanding where we're going. As we all know, we've had uh, COVID, but then we've also had uh, the Black Lives Matter situation. Um, your kids are old enough to see that sort of thing happening, same as mine. What was that period like in your household? We took our kids to a Black Lives Matter march and we felt like we wanted them to be part of something very special that was happening, Yeah, right? That it was a cultural movement 
we wanted them to experience what it was like to be in the middle of that. And yes, of course, there were mostly teenagers there, yeah. much older. Our kids were, were amongst the youngest there, I can imagine. And we were amongst some of the oldest there. You know, there was various chanting that was probably inappropriate for 11 and 12 years. But, they, you know, you've got to give them the benefit of trust yeah. and say, OK, that's not appropriate. You've also got the benefit of that. They will look to you and you'll say, well, that's not appropriate. But what we're here for is appropriate. Well, the thing is, I feel slightly sad that I think there's not a division, but maybe a segregation between the black and the Asian communities that didn't exist when I was a kid. That we were all people of colour yeah. and we, had a, we, 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 we would all suffer the same way, whether it's the N word or the P word. Yeah. Those people that don't like us don't like us, right? Yeah. You know, they're not saying, oh... I can't stand that brother from Trini, but that Bangladeshi's okay. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, you know, I don't like that Sri Lankan, but that Ghanaian's cool. Like, no one's doing that, right? So I wanted I wanted the kids to, to understand as children of colour that they have to stand for something, yeah. right? And they have to believe that they have every right to be in this country and to be treated equally and to be treated with respect. And I think it really empowered them, you know, being at that Black Lives Matter um, march in central Manchester. Yeah. I think it really did empower them. That's amazing. Because uh, I'd love to have taken either or both of my children to something like that, but I don't think they were mentally ready for something like that. I mean, uh, I know that a few days after the whole George Floyd incident and when there were riots happening, you know that the news was putting all the bad side of things uh, up on the news and that. Um, and they were seeing it. So one evening I was at Rory's bedside and he was telling me dad I'm a bit scared and it was like okay well why are you scared and I had to sit there and have that conversation with with him and I don't think that would have been the right time to then take him out and submerge him in that but you know as time goes by and as, as he understands it more and and maybe becomes less scared of it seeing the true side of it rather than what the news is depicted mm-hmm. um, he'll be able to experience it the same way your kids have. We understood while the media was reporting the violence that was going on, that actually the vast majority of people were not about that life. Exactly. Right. They wanted to just vent. They wanted to feel a sense of community. There were so many white kids, white, Asian, black. And it was important for our kids to see that. Yeah. To understand this isn't black versus white. Definitely. Or white versus black. This is just right versus wrong. That's it. When did you start the conversation with your kids about race? I think more so when we moved out of London. Yeah. It wasn't an issue in London. But when you move to the north of England, you'll become much more aware of your race. It's more segregated. And I had to get used to being stared at again. Yeah. Right? Which was, I haven't experienced this for 20 years. Since I left Essex, I haven't experienced this. I always have to tell my kids, you can go anywhere. You can go anywhere, you can do anything you want. Yeah. You know, and I've led by example in that respect. My son and I sat and watched football in our local pub in the middle of a white working class estate where even neighbours of ours who'd grown up here said, tell the whole not to go to that pub. And I'm like, I don't care. Right? Like, I'll go anywhere. Those white people need to see that we're just normal people. We ain't off having forced marriages over there. I've come to watch Tottenham play. 
at this local pub. So have they have they experienced any racial abuse? No, I mean my son's funny. He said, you know, if anyone calls me that, I'll just he goes, I'll kick their ass. I said, it's simple thing is that if anyone says that to me, I'll kick their ass. But he goes to a school which is thirty to forty percent Asian. Okay. So like so he is not a minority, but the first school that we brought them to when we came up here, they were very much in a minority and my gosh, they were made to feel different by some of those white kids. Yeah. They really were. Did, did they you know, come home and tell you some stories? My son is tall. He'd come from London. He was confident. They put him in the C team for football, went to the B team, got into the A team. Purely because I think in a B team game, he scored a hat trick. Then they had to take out one boy to put my son into the A team. That boy happened to be a popular kid, white kid. And all his white mates made my son's life hell. My daughter was kind of excommunicated really her a moroccan girl and a girl of singaporean background for some reason the three of them were together and there's this group of white girls that were being horrible to them and i said to the deputy headmaster of the school i said you tell me what this looks like you have so few ethnic minorities in the school and these three girls yeah. are having a hellish time one's asian one's moroccan one's of singaporean heritage you tell me he goes, oh, if you're saying what I think you're saying, I, that's not the case. I goes, okay, then you explain it to me. You explain it to me because I know what this looks like and you don't. What did he come back with? What could he come back with? Oh, well, I don't think it's that. I said, listen, mate, I don't care what you think it is. This is what it is because you can't adequately explain to me what it is. Yeah, yeah. And he was arrogant, right? He said to me, he said, oh, no, but that's not the case. This is where I knew he didn't see it. He went, oh, but one of the, one of the girls is Italian. And I went... That's not a person of colour. That if you're trying to equate that one of the girls that has been horrible is Italian, therefore this cannot be about race, then you clearly do not understand. You need some training on this. That's white privilege you know? right there. 100%. We ended up taking both of our kids out of that school. We just took them out because it's just, well, we can't do anything. And we put them in schools now which are really diverse. Mm. You know, there is a, there's a very dark prejudice that isn't calling someone the p-word right it isn't doing a a, a zeke heil to them yeah it's just a, a simmering loathing a kind of it's privilege it's like how dare you talk to me like that how dare you get above your station and i'm just not that guy like i am above my hundred percent that word uppity right <laughs> Yeah. You're one of those uh, uppity ones. Yeah. Well, we are, right? Because yeah. it's like, we're not guests here. Don't think that we're guests here so we should behave ourselves. Mm. I'm putting my feet on the table, right? I'm comfortable here. My impression is from having lived up here for four years is that stay in your lane. Stay in your lane or assimilate and become like us. That's not you, though. Right? That's not me. Well, it's, but that's but that's not shouldn't be any of us, and that's not to stereotype an entire group of people because there are some people that are good up here. But th th there were some of the parents at this particular school, and they were scumbags, and their kids were scumbags, right? <laughs> because of course they were. They they'd inherited scumbagginess from their parents. I like that. So you know, you, you, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you so you were just like, well, of course you're, of course. This kid is an idiot because the parents an idiot. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know, I'm not 
I'm not your staff. You ain't living in the Raj in 1850. This isn't happening now, bro. Yeah. I'm not Mowgli. You need to relax. Would you say that you're fed up having to explain what needs to be done? It's tiresome. Oh, God. Like, it's tiresome explaining why all lives matter. Oh, dear. That one. Is not cool. That one is just like, um, I mean, dude, I think it's it Richard Herring, the comedian, who every year on International Women's Day tweets every single man who goes, yeah, when is it going to be International Men's Day then? And there is a date, I think it's in November, when it's or October, when it is International Men's Day. And he t- for years, he just tweeted him on International Women's Day going, this is the date for International Men's Day. This is the day. For it. And like he would go through every idiot man who tweeted, yeah, when is your International Men's Day then, eh? Because you're both about women, isn't it? And he would always tweet them. And... <laughs> And you feel like with the All Lives Matter thing, you were just like, how many more times do you want me to explain I, I this to you? I don't forget how people don't understand it, but then they don't want to understand it. That's that whole thing. That, well, that's, that's the that point. That's the point. That's the point. I mean, it's like when you get people like um, Lawrence Fox, who comes from just the you know privilege, right? The guy's like dripping in privilege. Dude, I saw him on Jeremy Vine today. Was it today or yesterday? Oh, God, have they put him on the TV again? He was on there and refused to believe that he was white and privileged. He was on my show before he did Question Time, two days before he came on my show. And he said exactly the same thing about how, you know, we're not a racist country. And, you know, you, BBC, you're part of this problem making out that we're really racist and with this. And I said, look, that's fine. But just to be clear, Lawrence, no one's ever going to call you a packy. Like no one is ever going to come and rip a hijab off your head. Yeah, these are things you're never going to experience. So you can't. You're not in a position to be able to lecture people who are that. That's and I was very calm with him because back in the days I would have just gone zero to Paxman. Yeah, to him <laughs> on him, right? But now I know that actually, and this is one of the things I want to teach my kids. They revel on us going crazy because we look like the the crazy lunatics. Yeah, yeah. I'm also trying to teach my kids to not believe in absolutes. Okay. So when they say something that is just something they've heard, I say to them, well, you can't say that. You know, you have to explore that further before you just come out with this statement. You know, how do you back it up? Where's your evidence? I'm trying to encourage their thought processes to be a bit more sophisticated. Back to dinner in the house, it sounds. Yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. <laughs> but he's just trying to pushing them and challenging them a bit about, about what things happen. I try and do exactly the same with mine. Mm. When, they, when they bring a question to the table, when they bring a subject to the table, just to push their thought a little to bit To actually further. get my kids to argue, why should Donald Trump get another four years as US president? That's pushing them, right? Because they have to think opposite to how they would usually think. I'm going to try it on mine and see what they come out with because I'm interested to see what they will come out with. Yeah, because actually it's not about their opinions. It's about them being able to construct an argument. But something is interesting that Tim Peake said, who of course was, you know, the second British astronaut to go up into space. He said, you know, we do have to teach our kids about followership, not just leadership. Oh. So how to be good at being part of a team, taking direction. We're trying to say we want leaders. But actually, it's also very important to learn how to follow. Yeah, because you, you, it's, if you've got a team that's got two leaders in there, you, you're going to run into some trouble. Yes. 
part of really good leadership is listening to other people's ideas and helping them to form your own ideas. Part of what I want to do now, I'm going to give you a little quick fire round where you just give me some answers that I just want to, I want to feel you. I want to feel you a little bit, right? Cool. Okay, first up, what music album should all children be made to listen to? The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Oh, nice choice. Why? Because it is just lyrically so diverse and the messaging and the skits between the songs. It's a concept piece, isn't it? Yeah, but it's a concept that within it includes just such incredible songs for female empowerment, uh, education, leadership. And also musical. It's just so brilliant. Yeah. I mean, my kids have listened to that album so many times. It's a great album. Yeah. You know, that would be that would be the one probably followed by It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back by Public Enemy. Wow, that's a good choice. So Public Enemy was my, you know, Chuck D's my hero. At some point, they should listen to Gang Signs and Prayers by Stormzy from beginning to end. Dude, you know, great album. You know, my kids love Stormzy. They're already on it. My son is a huge fan of Logic. Okay. Right? My daughter's a huge fan of Billie Eilish. Um, and they're both just such brilliant artists. What music album should all children be banned from listening to? Depends what age. What age are we talking about? <laughs> you can choose. It's up to you. Oh. Or you can specify different for different ages. Or what would you ban your kids from listening to? Well, they shouldn't be listening to Straight Out of Compton by NWA. Right? Right, they shouldn't be listening to that. No question, <laughs> should they be listening to Straight Out Compton by well, NWA? You, right? well, you, you, they shouldn't be singing "After Police." Yeah, I know, right? Jeez, yeah, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be on that. Um, Straight Out Compton, crazy mother <laughs> call Ice Cube from the crew call with attitude. You know, I got a sword off. Bodies get hauled off. You know, I mean, that's not really the one. Okay, next one for you. What would your dad superhero power be? It's one we ask all of our dad vengers. The power to always question. Because Chuck D taught me to not accept the world as it is and to not swallow everything that you're told as being fact. To constantly evaluate and question. And that's what I want to pass on to my kids right so that they are constantly going okay why is it that how can it be that how can it be better that's i think a superpower yeah that is a superpower because otherwise you're just a zombie right you're just walking around going oh yeah okay well if that's the way life is that's the way life is that's a beautiful superpower it's an amazing choice dude thank you for coming on the podcast oh thanks for asking me nigel We have been through some stuff. We've talked about our kids. We've talked about race. We've talked about all sorts. Look, it's a pleasure. You know, I don't think I've ever been this open about being a dad to anyone publicly. So that's really nice. Thank you for trusting me to do that. Oh, 100%, Nigel. It's it's, it's fantastic. You make it very easy to to open up. So that's fantastic. Thank you, Nigel. Thank you so much. And I'm going to see you soon, dude. Yeah, man. Let's hope so. What a pleasure it was to chat to Nihal about his kids and how much he's changed as a father since they came along. Dinner times definitely sound like fun and I think there's a lot that can be learned from his empathy towards those who suffer injustice and hatred based on the colour of their skin. He's really lived it. 
Something else he's really lived is music and his choice of an album that all kids should listen to is spot on. Now if you want to know more about our Dadvengers community or if you have anything you'd like to share with us, you can do so at dadvengers.com or contact us through our Facebook or Instagram. Thanks for listening. This has been the Dadvengers podcast, sponsored by Connects, encouraging kids of all ages to think outside the blocks. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.